felt like a really competitive game against, uh, you know, with two really good teams. You know, I think we're very similar in the way we uh, play, the way we match up, things like that. Um, yeah, but these are the games going forward. You know, it's going to be against tough teams and, you know, it was a couple unlucky breaks. You know, Teo hitting the line drive there in the 10th, uh, a couple soft hits off Jimmy. Um, but, you know, love Gosman's stuff tonight. Timmy Mesa outstanding again um, in a big spot. So, um, just a tough night, just a tough outcome. Is there something going on with Anthony Bass, John? Uh, no, he's, uh, he's, he's available, he's good to go. Um, like Simber there in that spot. Lies! <laughs> you lie! I mean, he said it. I find it hard to believe. You know, it's funny, whenever I heard that, I... <laughs> I had to I had to go look. I, I had to go look because in the 10th inning, Simber's facing, I had to look, Jeff. I, I wanted to make sure I'm coming on this show because I knew you were just all over it. You were going to poke at me, and you were going to lead with that. You were going to lead with I love John. But, you know, <laughs> coming into the 10th inning with a runner on second base, Adam Simber's going to face three righties and a lefty, right? The lefty's going to bunt the guy over to third, and he's going to get three righties. And I said, that makes perfect sense. Why wouldn't you do that? And then I started digging into Simber's numbers. You know, he's hitting, you know what righties are hitting against Adam Simber? Guess, Jeff. Guess. 281. 290. Boy, you're all over it. Guess what Anthony Bass is hitting off righties? What righties are hitting off Anthony Bass? Guess. 181. Boy, you are just really, really close. 164. So that's why I'm poking fun a little bit at John and saying that, you know, sometimes just because you look right at the camera and say it may not be the truth. It's Blair and Barker. Of <laughs> course, that 590 fan. Oh, I love Jay's 4-3 losers. <laughs> the Phillies last night. And uh, Adam Simber in the game in the 10th inning. Yeah, first That's of all. That's not why they lost. No, it's not why they lost. No they, they, they lost. <laughs> in the 8th inning. They lost in the 8th inning. And some guy coming in flipping fly, five sliders yeah. in a row. I, we talked. It throws 99, Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> Bottom line, though, extra <laughs> innings. And... and uh, it, the extra innings of Jays, the Jays pissed away an opportunity to win in extra innings. Um, Teoscar Hernandez swinging at a 2-0 pitch that, I mean, you know, you could hit if you're one foot one maybe, but swinging at a 2-0 pitch and then hitting a liner, an inning-ending uh, double play liner. I, I don't know, Bradley Zimmer was at, was at second. I don't know where, I don't know why Bradley Zimmer was taking two steps off the bag because anyhow, point is, Liner ends the inning. Uh, Adam Simber comes into pitch. Jordan Romano had already pitched an inning in a third. Adam Simber comes into pitch and just could not get anybody out. And, you know, at the time, there are a couple things that gone on. People were wondering where uh, Anthony Bass was. Uh, some people said, how come uh, Jimmy Garcia came in for Anthony in, instead of Anthony Bass? Well, I mean, I didn't have an issue with that because that's, their eighth inning guy. He's their eighth inning guy. Mm -hmm. That's his role. And he hadn't pitched since the 17th. So it's not like he was gassed. Uh, but then people started to question why Adam Simber in the 10th inning. Why not Anthony Bass? Kevin gave you the, uh, the numbers. And Bass hasn't pitched since the 16th, either, Bass, by the way. Bass hasn't pitched since the 16th. So I guess we'll have to wait until this afternoon. What are you doing? Oh, you forgot your papers. I'm sorry. We'll have to wait until this afternoon, until John Schneider's availability. We'll let the uh, writers do some poking around and see what's going on. Well, he's not going to tell you. No. Why would he tell you? He wouldn't. He's not going to tell you. Further poking around, the simple question, John, is Anthony Bass available tonight? 
we'll give you the answer as to Anthony Bass's status. We'll the see. He'll say the Jays start the Jays start a four game series against <laughs> the Tampa really Bay talking, Rays tonight. Jeff. He's really good. They at it. are the Jays start a four game series against the Tampa Bay Rays tonight, and uh, these are the standings going into the game. It would have been a hell of a night to hang on to a three nothing win. No question. Uh, the Yankees won. I mean, the American League East is five. They've got a they've got a sizable lead right now. They're they're what five and a half six games. They got six and a half game lead over the Blue Jays. The race is over. Uh, congratulations to the Yankees, American League East champions. Yeah, yeah, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, the wild card race, Toronto, uh, 84 and 65, two and a half up, six and a half up in the Orioles. The Orioles are uh, of no concern to the Blue Jays. Tampa Bay is half a game back. Seattle uh, is 81 and 67. They are two games back of the Jays. In the loss column, as you said, the Jays are two and a half games up. Right now, they have home field advantage uh, against Tampa Bay, if the season were to end today, Seattle lost. Yeah, Seattle's just maybe those injuries. Maybe the injuries are deal. catching up to them. Seattle lost again to Oakland. Tampa mm. Bay lost again to Houston last night. Right. So as I said, it would have been a hell of a night if the Jays had won. It, I mean, it would have been. They could have. I wouldn't say they would have buried Tampa Bay, but you'd put yourself in a position where Tampa Bay would have to sweep you at home to pull ahead of you. Yep. Uh, as it is right now, it's a, a two and a half game. Uh, lead for the Blue Jays. We're going to take some calls in the 11 o'clock hour at 416-870-0590, star 590, one 590 You can text us if you want, 590-590. And we'll ask what you think constitutes a successful series against the Rays. Would split. you take a split? I would. You would. It's a drop. Uh, and, and also what, you know, we are going into, you got the Rays and you got the Yankees and Red Sox and you finish up with the Orioles. Time's a waste in here. What are your concerns right now? What are your concerns going into the series? This is, uh, you know, if we operate under the assumption that the Yankees have done, this is, this is theoretically the biggest series of the year for the Blue Jays in terms of securing home field. What are you worried about? Give me two. I want to talk about the game last night. What, I, uh, uh, what am I worried about? Uh, <laughs> Jordan Romano's blowing back-to-back saves for the first time. Um, I'm not worried. You know, the Velo was 97-98 last night. The reliance on the slider confusing. is confusing. It is, yep. The fact that nobody seems to have an issue with it other than fans, the media, the pitching staff, or the coaching staff doesn't seem to have an issue with it because at no point did anybody give the what the hell are you doing sign to Alejandro Kirk. So I only presume that they're on board with it. Um, that concerns me. Mm. Other than that, now I would have to say Anthony Bass's health and Santiago Espinal was taken out of the game with left uh, left side Playoffs, that's a discomfort. Big yep. That's a big deal. John yep. Schneider said that's not a big issue, the left side mm. discomfort. So, I, I mean, my initial reaction, of course, is always oblique injury. Mm-hmm. So, health and, and, and Jordan Romano. I, I got to tell you, the other stuff, you know, Vladdy hits his 30th home run last night. Oof. That's great. It was a hell of a shot. Crazy. And then he, what else did he do last night? He hit his home run. He also had a couple of strikeouts, 4-3 and 6-3. So, I, you know, I've given up on waiting for Vladdy to go in a heater. But I think the Jays can win at least around with what they're getting offensively out of the other guys. So I'm okay with that. 
I'll take a one for but, whatever with a three-run home yeah, run. Yeah, for Every sure, day. absolutely. I'll yeah, take Vladdy hits a three-run home run. He can ground out. He can roll the ball out to the pitcher four, t- four other times for all I care. Yep. But the I'm not worried about Jordan Romano, but Jordan Romano hasn't been called upon to save back-to-back games in the postseason. So those would be my two concerns, Jordan Romano and health. Yeah. The rest of it I'm fine with. I like what I saw to Kevin Gossman last night. Uh, I, I I really liked what I saw to Kevin Gossman really last night. Split was good. Yep. Uh, you asked uh, or, or you asked some folks why he didn't go back in to the game. He only had what, 89 pitches through how many Six innings? innings. Six, Six innings. innings. And the answer was, and, and I'm four, okay four with this. Through. Fourth time through against the top of the order. I'm okay with that. Yeah. I'm 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 okay with that. The top of the order, Schwarber, Hoskins, Harper. That's a good top of the order. Absolutely. Schwarber, Hoskins, Harper, Rail. They were one for 11 with a walk against him too. One through four, which is a big deal. That's what you want to do. You want to control those four guys. I have no issues with that either. Uh, The Romano thing is confusing a little bit because you saw him in the eighth inning, what he did with the five sliders to a guy that's hitting like 230 off a hater. I get it. You know, yeah, when, he's, well, when he's Schwarber, sitting, by the way, is 197 uh, off the breaking ball this year, 230 off the Yeah, well, that's probably heater. why you're throwing it. But when you throw two non-competitive ones, you sort of have to throw a third one, don't you? Like, like it's when you, when you throw a couple of them and you throw two bad ones, and now you're in a fastball count to a power hitter. I don't want to say he's a great fastball hitter. He's sitting like 230 off the heater, but he can hit a homer off a heater, especially when he's looking for it. So you kind of have to throw a third one after you throw the first two ones. Forget about that. He comes back in the ninth inning. He faces three, four, five in the order. You know what he does first pitch, Jeff, to all three of those guys? Throws a fastball. Mm. He went three up, three down. 15 pitches. What that does is that will tell you because it's so hard. I mean, that's 97 to 99 occasionally. That's three digits. That will tell a hitter when he sees it out of the hand, it's crossfire. It's hard to pick up. The dude's grunting. Like, you never know. You might not want to dig in because you never know where it might go. So you add that little element to it, too. And... It's sort of like you when you see it, you're like, first pitch, ooh, now I got to get this thing going. And now when he does throw a, sl- a bad slider, he can get away with it because yeah. the guy's having to cheat a little. Not too many people's like Vladdy that can let 99 with sink travel and go as far as he goes on a line. Not too many humans can do that. So that's our point, I think, is why do we not see that more? It worked to three, four, five in the order. It's not like they're terrible hitters. They're hitting three, four, five in the Phillies order for a reason. And you throw first pitch fastball to all three of them, and you go three up, three down on 15 pitches. I just, that's, he's had a really good year. And he'll, then, make, he'll make you scratch your head sometimes. Absolutely. Like, you just don't understand. And it's sort of like he falls into, you throw so many of them, now you have to throw more of them because if you want to throw a fastball, that dude's sitting on it now. Yeah. And normally you're throwing so many of them to a guy because you think he can hit a fastball. So now you're sort of two wrongs from not making a right. You're, boy, it's just, I just, I would, he would be okay if he gives it up on a heater. If Schwarber hits a 99 to left center field for a homer, goes back leg city, you're tipping your hat going, you know what, buddy? That's my best one. You got me. Good for you because you're having a good season of hitting homers. But you didn't. Can you walk away from that if you're Jordan going, I gave him my best stuff and I got beat? Absolutely not. You can't say that. So I just, that for me is this time of the year, it's sort of like two people ain't on the same page. That's the guy putting the pushing the button. I mean, you can keep pushing it. I know you see you're shaking too. You can keep you can, I understand the theory of a guy hitting a buck 97 under 200 off a breaking ball. 
But when he's only but hitting your breaking 250. ball hasn't been real good lately. And it's also, it's not like he's hitting 320 off the fastball. Oh, absolutely. So I just, and you then can keep pushing it, or you can call Tempo, run out there, and go, hey, have you noticed your slider lately? Yeah, and, it ain't real good. And then the other bullpen issue last night that I had was Jimmy Garcia comes in, giving up a home run to J- JT Rail Mudo. That's going to happen. I don't know why you're flipping six breaking pitches to the number seven, eight, nine. Like, why are you throwing breaking pitches to the bottom of the Phillies order? That I, that's another thing I did not understand. Yeah, I don't know. That's that, another thing that, I, that, I did I, not understand. I think six I, breaking balls in a row, pardon me, to, uh, to Guthrie. Guthrie. I think Guthrie, <clears throat> Guthrie hit a home run on a 91-mile-an-hour fastball the night before, and you think you have to pitch to him like he's Babe Ruth. I think that's a little bit of what's going on here with the – now, Garcia's slider's been really good, and the four-seamer's been great. Why don't you start with those two? Well, I yeah, mean, it's I, it's one thing to throw it. It's another thing to abuse it. This is the thing here. Like, this time of the year when you're facing teams, and especially when you're at the bottom of the order, facing dudes and you're pitching to them like they're the best hitters on the team. I Just because they hit a homer the night before, his first homer in his career at the big league level. I know, I know. I, like, there, that, that game is, that that's a tough one. Like, we could look back at that game and go, man, you win that one, you go to Tampa with a three-and-a-half game lead. Is that what it had been, three-and-a-half games? That's a big lead. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got a little room there mm-hmm. to be able to pitch whoever you want to pitch you can, and not make the Orioles series matter, You can, which is a huge deal. You can Mitch White your way through there the race series. Now you're you still probably going to do you. that. But, oh, God. Well, I guess. It been easier to throw him. If you had to, that's the point here is, and then you have the base running in the 10th inning. I, there's no excuse for it. I know it's a natural move, move to go point of contact. Base is loaded less than two outs. Your job is to let the guy in front of you score. You you're, you matter zero. Station to station. The, the third base coach will go see it through. He'll do the little pointing like yep. a line drive symbol kind of thing. Like yep. make sure it's through before you move. Don't that means don't make a move towards the third base bag. That guy in front of you matters more than you do. Like, give the other guys a chance, even if he hits a line drive with the infield in, which makes it even worse. I and your only job, really, when you're on this team, and and you're like the fifth or sixth outfielder on the team. You're there because those, of your those, base those, running those, acumen. There, yeah. those plays can't be made. Like you can't do those things. So. It was a collection of a bunch of things, both throwing error. You know, it's – I mean, and we haven't even talked about that the game started at 648, and it was four hours and eight minutes. Four hours and eight and, minutes. And they didn't and score until the eighth inning. it was scoreless, yeah. Baseball's got a problem. Like, I love baseball, but it's – Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's got it's, a problem. It's, it's not going to next year. Like, we – You think the pitch clock would have dropped – Pitch clock how, – How many minutes pitch off Pitch clock that? automatically drops 20 minutes off game. I will see. Automatically. I'm not sure that's what it was. Automatically I, I mean, I was watching that, and I was thinking to myself, if that, if that was 15 seconds, would it have mattered? Like, who, who would it have mattered for? There were, I mean, in fairness, I mean, there was, there was some, some not real good. This is what happens when a game slows down. There's a lot of – a game slows down when the relief pitching isn't good. The starting pitching is different. But a game slows down when the relief pitching is not good because guys take extra time. It's a close game. It's a big game. The relievers are going to work slower. There was 12 pitchers used between yeah. the two teams, too. That's the four hours and eight minutes. Yeah, but, I'm, but, but that's my point. And, um, 
you know, never mind the fact that the dude, the Philly starter, Zach Wheeler, was on kind of a pitch count, and they brought Noah Syndergaard. Well, he's really so, good. I was going to ask you this. Samer. I was going to ask you this because Packer. I was going to ask you this because we know that the Jays kicked the tires on Syndergaard at the trade deadline. Where's he throwing here? Bullpen. I mean, that's, what is that's, one, that's one game. Yeah, but, you saw that. No, but I'm, uh, this is what I'm – because a lot of people w- will talk. I mean, we did talk about him at the trade deadline. We know the Jays made a play for him to some mm-hmm. degree. That's mm-hmm. what I'm asking you. Looking back now, he doesn't take stripling spot. Mitch White? He'd be the Mitch White guy or he'd be in the bullpen. Now, he looks to me – You're giving him he, $21 million well, to do that. He looks, he looks to me – he looks to me that – if he's thrown, what did he throw? Did he throw 95? He's hitting 90. I mean, it's right there. It's so more the, 93, 94. He's kind of what the Jays have already is what yeah. I'm saying. What I'm getting at is the I don't think curveball. Noah Syndergaard necessarily would have been a difference maker 21 million team. would scare you, make you run the uh, other. It's just money. <laughs> You're funny. Uh, <clears throat> so the Jays split the series <clears throat> with the Phillies. And um, we mentioned they go on to play Tampa. It'll be Jose Barrios on the mound, JT Chajwa. Chajwa? Mm, I mean, the real way to pronounce it is Chajwa. There's a real way to pronounce it. Mm. Chajwa. JT Chajwa will be on the mound for the Phillies or for the Rays tonight, and it'll be a bullpen game. What? You you did nail it. No, I mean, it took me a while. It's just, you know, pronounce the name the way it's supposed to be pronounced. Chajwa. No, Chajwa. You have to do that? Well, you should. With the hands? You don't have to do that with the hands, but I don't, I don't, anyhow, it just gets me. Hmm. It just gets me. Would you make a Gossman? We did talk about it. The split he was good. Um, he handled the top of the order. The reason I'm asking is because he'd given up seven home runs in his last four starts. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he, obviously, he's, he's had a good year. He's having a good year. But also, you know, he did, did have the track record last year of Kind of hitting the skids in September. Sure. Yeah, the Phillies had a bad approach for me. It really looked to me the way they took the fastball, that they were sitting on split finger. That, for me, is the dumbest approach that you could ever take against Gosman. Uh, if you don't know anything, look up baseball savant and look average against fastball and average against split finger. You tell me if you're trying to hit that, which one you would be looking for, Jeff. If the average against the fastball is 333 and the average against the split finger is 196, and he's got 114 Ks coming into last night versus the split finger, and you go up and sit on the split finger? That's sort of why it looked the way it looked, I do believe, especially the top of the order, because those first four guys sure looked to me like the way they were taking the heater and some heater counts, that they were sitting on which I guess if that's what you, that's the way you want to try and attack it, that's probably why you went one for 11 with a walk. I mean, he gave up five hits, which was really good. He didn't give up only two of those were with two strikes. Sometimes the put-away pitch, whatever that is, the mm-hmm. elevated fastball, uh, you know, the split finger, he was better with that. The leadoff hitters were two for six. So for the most part, he was controlling traffic. Uh, he only had three three ball counts. He was good enough. Like, they had it lined up. I think they brought in the guys, other than Simber, seemed to me like, that they wanted to win a baseball game. And it's just funny with Mesa coming in the game and flipping those sliders, and it took Pete Walker to come out there and go, hey, give him the heater, Ricky. And then the next two batters, he throws nine sinkers in a row to the three-hole hitter, 
was was it? Yeah, the yep. second and third hole hitter, Hoskins and Harper, nine sinkers in a row, two up, two down. And so Kevin White, September the but, September the twentieth. Why would you have to have a pitching coach run out there and tell you that? Is, I'm, I'm assuming that's what he said to him because he didn't throw another slider, and it's because his sinker is good. Should it's devastating. Well, let me ask you this, because why are you getting cute? Well, let me let me ask you this, Patrick Rutledge asked, "Is it time for the dugout to start calling pitches?" That's a great question, and I it is for certain pitchers. I I I don't like. I it. think they might already. I that's I I was, I'm not sure they don't. Which, I mean, this is this is a this is a interesting conversation to have. Because I don't know the answer to that. And you yeah. know me, I'd rather not talk about things I don't know the answer to. So I don't know if they do or not. Mm-hmm. I know they have a lot of confidence in the guys that are catching to call the games and have that flow back and forth. I feel what you're feeling. I'm thinking what you're thinking. But you look at Mesa throwing the first couple batters. You look at when Petey came out. Now, again, I have, we have no idea what he said. But I just by what he threw after Petey came out, you could probably say, you can probably think, what he said to him. He probably did not say, keep doing what you're doing. Yeah. I'm going to make a trip I, to the mound to tell you to keep doing You're doing good, dude. Keep doing it. That's yeah. not why I mean, you he'll do it in a mound. nice way because that's how Petey is. But it's just, it's, it's because Mays has had a good, since he's come off the I.L., he's been really good. It's mm-hmm. very hard to go and say, hey, dude, stop doing that. It's like Romano. Romano's been really good, Jeff, and he's been really good because he's flipping it. It's like sort of backwards. There He'll was, fall in love with it and it still works. There, but now it's not working, so what do you do? There was one other thing that happened last night, and I wanted to ask you about this because uh, it, clearly when you get to the playoffs, you don't want to give teams extra bases. You don't want to give teams extra at-bats, extra outs. And Tabby made this point. In the sixth inning, JT Realmuto's on second base. He steals third. And Tabby's point was, and they had a the, the great camera shot of Alejandro Kirk. It was so obvious that he was focused on framing the pitch. And I can't, I'm trying to figure out who the hell was at, at the plate. In the end, it didn't matter. Real Muto didn't score. Strike three, that kind of thing. But it was so obvious yeah, yeah. that he was worried about framing the pitch that there wasn't well, he even. Should be. He should be. It's a good pitch. Okay, but. but Could have went either way. All right, so you didn't have an issue with letting. Okay, no, I, I did not. In the in the playoffs, though, you don't mind if you're letting. I'm I'm just asking this, just asking it. It, it was an awfully easy, and I know JT Realmuto is not a slow dude. But no, it was a pretty pretty easy steal, of third base. Stealing second base I, is one thing. Pretty easy steal at third base. I think you might be picking a little too much there. I mean, it's two strikes. You're trying to, yeah, you're trying to. Hey, look, I'm tricking you. All right, like I just, you know. Did the, did the umpire have a good night last night? Boy, like it was area code. I mean, one time the area code was way over there that way and way over that way and up. And, yeah, and it's, it's like it was all over the place. So it was a, they, uh, that's very true. hard. So you, that's so you give Kirky credit that he's trying to, you know, if it's anywhere near where he's been calling it, you try and stick it. Like you just want to show it to him, hold it there. Maybe he'll change his mind. Keep holding it there. I'll talk him into it. All right. You never know. No, I just, uh, yeah. We do have to mention Vladdy's 30th home run. Oh, man. 20th player in MLB history with multiple 30 home run seasons at age 23 or younger. How do you take that swing right there and just do it? 
Kevin, what was the that? next what was that? 14 what was that? games plus 99 mile an hour with fastball sink, with sink. And it was down and he a little, turned on. Which is that little, you know, they're trying to do that uppercut thing with the low T. I know, Likey. But you, I mean, he let that travel. He was on time. miles saw, an hour. I, I, that's the first actual time that you could tell everything was where it was supposed to be. The hands, his start. Well, his start was good. That fluition that he does, the two different ones. Mm-hmm. When he got his front foot down, like his barrel was exactly where it was supposed to be. His hip rotation was, I mean, it just everything that he's supposed to be and wanted bad in a big moment, okay. which we've been screaming and yelling about. It was right there. Let me, okay, let me ask you about this because Teoscar Hernandez also, he had maybe the best swing we've seen him have two nights ago uh, on a double. At bats. At bats. But what I, what I wanted to ask. The right center, you mean? The one he hit yeah. the right center? Yeah. What I want to ask you is, can, because you'll hear people say, okay, keep, that's a swing. Keep that swing. Stay right there. Sure. Does it work that way for a hitter? Yeah, and then comes Zach Wheeler. I mean, that that's not going to help. That's, yeah. not, that's not going to help. I mean, a, a lot of it has to do with the guy you're facing, locating. I mean, Zach Wheeler was going sinker in it. I mean, he is easy 99. Yeah. His sinker's 98. I mean, it's easy. Like, and then he'll go, he'll dot away to a righty at 98, 99. Just easy, free and easy. Like, he's just playing catch. Yeah. And then that tunneling thing that drops off the table. So, you, I think you give a little, and Teoscar's right-handed. So, Zach Wheeler's coming off. He's throwing that hard. He's locating. And right, it but sort I'm, of escalates I'm into thinking, I'm thinking of two O chasing, trying to do too much because you're the DH. You're not playing in the field, so you can't make up for not doing anything offensively. You try and help your team out in a big situation. Two O, you're thinking gear up, bases loaded. So I think I'm thinking particularly though of Vladdy because we saw Vladdy with the iPad afterwards looking at it, and I'm just wondering is is that such a thing? You get that swing. It's something you've been searching for. You hit a home run. How do you build on that? Can you build on that? Because a lot of people will tell you, okay, boy, that that could be the swing that gets them going. Well, think, I'm wondering, is that the case? Can think, one swing turn it around for I a think dude? it's I, maybe a little. I mean, he's, his year, I think, for me anyway, is what it is. It's not going to change. I mean, if he has a really good swing where he is on time with all the lower half parts, the, the hands follow, the barrel is where it needs to be. When he starts his swing, he stays behind the baseball. For me, he's been cheating a lot. When you cheat, you tend to hips go, your hands follow, which means you don't get good separation. It's like the rubber band effect. Why do everybody says you need a trigger and you need separation? That's because maximum collision, you're better off getting there with that because you have good separation. Vladdy hasn't had that a lot. Mm -hmm. Last night on that one swing, he had it. And I think for me, the iPad, that's what he was looking at, more of a a dig me thing. I think it's more of, okay, I've gotten that pitch a lot. And it's never looked that way all year. I'm never strong, but it's rare that it's looked that way. Look, this is what it's supposed to look like on that pitch. And maybe you can build off of it because you're seeing it now. Mm -hmm. I see my foot getting down. I see my hands. I see the rotation of my hips. And then I can stay down and throw it, and the ball goes because I'm elite. So I do think you can build off of that. Mark Topkin covers the Rays for the Tampa Bay Times. He'll join us, and we'll dig into that parking lot fight. Between Yandy Diaz and Randy Rosarena that everybody's talking about because it turns out it wasn't a fight. But we'll find out from Mark Topkin what it was all about. Get an update on Shane McClanahan as well. 
But when we come back, Ruben Amaro Jr., former Phillies GM, current MLB Network and NBC Sports Philadelphia analyst will join us. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590. The fans, Sportsnet 360, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. Starting Monday, be sure to tune into the J.D. Bunkus podcast. Weekday mornings at 9 on Sportsnet 590. The fan or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. The DMs are open for Barker's Backleg Bits. We will get to them at the end of the show. SN Jeff Blair is my Twitter handle. We'll take calls at 1115, yes. 416-870-0590, star 590, 888-666-0590. And um, 590-590 is the text line. We'll ask the question, what to you would constitute a successful series against the Tampa Bay Rays? Flip. And uh, what are your concerns going into that series? And by extension, looking ahead to the final week and a bit of the regular season, the run-in to the playoffs. So, again, that'll be at 11.15. We've got uh, tickets to give away for the October 1st game against the Boston Red Sox. We'll also do that in the 11 o'clock hour. And as I mentioned, Mark Topkin joins us as well. So it will be busy. The final hour mm-hmm. of the show, and of course, we have Blue Jays baseball tonight on the network and on Sportsnet 590. The fan, the Jays and the Rays, the first of four games. Jose Barrios against JT. Do it, Chargeois. Nailed it. No, I didn't. You nailed it, Chargeois. It should be Chargeois. As you should. Well. Anyhow, um, the Jays coming off a split. <laughs> of their two-game series with the Philadelphia Phillies, losing last night's game 4-3. A lot of questions. Well, I shouldn't say a lot of questions. A couple of questions for the Jays coming out of that game. The status of Anthony Bass uh, not being used last night, not Mm. pitching until or since the 16th Mm. of September. Santiago Espinal left the game, replaced by Kevin Biggio with left-side discomfort. I want to bring in Ruben Amaro Jr., MLB Network Mm. and NBC Sports Philadelphia analyst. He is, of course a former general manager with the Phillies. Ruben, thanks so much for joining Kevin and myself. When I knew you were coming on this morning, I was thinking about what it must be like at this stage of the year for a general manager. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you've just seen one of your regulars had had to be pinch hit for because of an injury. Uh, you've seen one of your dependable starting pitchers for whatever reason not be used. And you're sitting there. And, and Ruben, at this point, you can't make a trade. Like, there's there, there's... There's really not a whole hell of a lot you can do as a GM right now, is there? Except pray. Uh, you, you're right about that. Hello, Jeff. Hello, uh, Kevin. I hope everybody's doing well. I was just, uh, I was just, uh, you know, for me, as I think about this time of the year, you're really just hoping that certain, you know, different guys can step up, and you, you know, you're you're really just kind of holding on to your seat and and hopeful that uh, some of the people are prepared to uh, to take that other step forward if you, if indeed you if indeed you do have some injuries. How do you evaluate managers this time of the year? You know, I have always thought that um, managers can have probably a, somewhere between a uh, 5 and 12 game effect on your club. I think it's about and I always believe it's about how you manage how you manage your bullpen. Mm-hmm. Um, if you feel comfortable with the way they handle the bullpen, I know uh, Mr. Schneider's 
done a heck of a job, and and I really, frankly, um, both both these managers who were who were given an opportunity over this last uh, over the last couple of months, uh, both Rob Thompson and Schneider have have done a great job. So uh, they should be commended. It's not easy to uh, take over in those situations, especially for guys who have never really done the job. Um, so I've, I've been pretty impressed by both of them so far. I was going to ask you that. That that is that is a fascinating part of being a general manager, evaluating a manager. And as you mentioned, both of these guys took over different times of the year, mind you, but both of them took over from teams that their general managers clearly thought were underperforming, clearly thought, I, I really get a sense there's a similarity here in that I think both David Dombrowski and Ross Atkins thought it was time for a new voice yep. uh, to sort of, you know, be, be the lead voice with the team. But, you know, is is it, when you're, Looking at, at the job Rob Tom, Thompson and John Schneider have done, you realize they were with the team in spring training, but they weren't managing the team coming out of spring training. And, and I guess I, I'm kind of interested in the stuff you're seeing after the managerial change. Is there almost, do you have to fight against a natural tendency to go, oh boy, all this is happening because of the new guys come in, mm-hmm. right? All of a sudden, uh, you know, pick a guy. I, I don't know. All of a sudden, Bo Bichette's hitting because... John Schneider was a man had taken over as manager. Do you have to guard against that? Yeah, you know, it's a, it's a really first of all, it's a very difficult thing to do. I mean, you've built relationships. You basically talk to that manager every single day. I mean, I had to make a very difficult uh, decision in uh, making a change with Charlie Manuel, who happens to be one of my better friends, mm. and so and someone who won the World Series. But I think there comes a time when the manager doesn't necessarily fit the players and the players doesn't necessarily fit the manager. And so I think that's, it it sometimes has nothing to do with the ability. I have a great deal of respect for Joe Girardi. I love Charlie Montoyo. He's a tremendous baseball guy, but there comes a time sometimes when, you know, the, uh, the, the, the group of personnel that you've, um, that you brought together, and the, their leader doesn't necessarily match up, and I think that's probably what happened in, in both these situations. I think both those guys, both Joe, Joe Girardi and Charlie Montoyo, will be great managers again sometime um, a, a, under the right circumstance. And um, But, you know, there are some times when you have to just – you feel like as a GM – you have to make a difficult choice. And I'm sure that was a difficult one for Ross as it has been for David uh, Dombrowski as it has been for many people who've had to make these uh, difficult changes. Uh, and you hope that, um, that that move will spark some, uh, you know, some excitement, some, some change in the overall uh, integrity of the clubhouse, et cetera, et cetera. And in both these cases, it has. And that's, it's been a, it's a really interesting process. Ruben, do you see a weakness with the Jays? Um, I, I think that, that the one thing that I would think uh, forward about, well, one, I know Kevin Gosman at any time can look like an ace, mm-hmm. and I know that Barrios can also look like an ace at, at any given time. I don't think that they, either one of them have been a consistent ace. So that would be one issue as far as, you know, one guy you can settle on and say, you know what, this guy's going to win a baseball game for me. I know that this guy will take them out and, and shut a team down for seven innings. Um, I think the only other thing that I would consider uh, as far as the, the Toronto 
club is, concern, is concerned is that they don't have a whole lot of thump from the left side of the plate. Mm-hmm. And as I look at their construction of their lineup, and they're all very – I mean, all the right-handed hitters are great hitters. There's no question about that. But I wonder if there's some vulnerability against a real tough right-hander, uh, right-handed starter and or reliever. Mm-hmm. A simple question, Ruben. Uh, Dodgers, Astros. Do the Dodgers have enough to beat the Astros if they they meet in a series? Because, boy, now, admittedly, we've just seen the Astros play Tampa, and I had two screens going last night watching the Jays and watching Tampa as I have, uh, Houston, I should say, as I have for the the whole series. And Houston just looks so good. I mean, they, they... you look at their start. I mean, they're going to have three guys, three starting pitchers who are probably going to have to go into the bullpen. Is there any way? Is there any way LA beats these guys? Do you think? You know, it's just uh, those two teams really are the elite clubs in their respective um, in their respective leagues, in my estimation, as you pointed out. Um, you know, the Dodgers are just so uber talented as far as their lineup is concerned. I would say they would have the edge over uh, over the Astros in in that regard. Uh, just because of the length and breadth of their uh, offensive talent. Uh, I would say that pitching-wise, it would be very difficult to um, to match up with the Astros as far as their starting pitching depth. I mean, for him, for them to have basically six guys that they know could probably pitch as at least a number three mm-hmm. is pretty impressive. So um, I always believe in pitching, pitching, pitching. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially when it comes to, you know, a shorter series or even a longer series, the more pitching depth you have. Um, I think those are the teams that, that have the most success. That said, I mean, in any given series, and you can never, you can, you just don't know what club is going to be hot, what club is going to be able to make the plays and have the ball roll the proper way. I mean, you're talking about, you know, some combination of talent and a whole lot of luck to really get there. And to win it, um, I mean, I, I know that I have, I've had clubs that I thought were the best teams in all of baseball and didn't have 2010 and 11. I, I could argue that we had the best baseball club as far as just overall talent on both sides of the ball better than any club. And then we just couldn't get through the first round. So uh, a lot of it depends on, you know, whether you're – you know, uh, super talented or just uh, happen to be hot or lucky or whatever the case may be. But uh, that's why it's so important for teams to get into the tournament, so to speak, into the playoffs, because you just never know on any given day or any given series what team can step forward. For you, who is the MVP in the American League? Hmm. No no question about it. It's Aaron Judge. No I question. Think the best. Oh, I think the best overall baseball player is Shohei Otani. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think the MVP, I mean, with the, can you imagine what, where the uh, New York Yankees would be right now without without Aaron Judge? Mm-hmm. You just they, they would not exist. And so the fact that he stayed healthy, he's done what he's done. I mean, it's just an unbelievable season. Maybe one of the best seasons uh, in the history of the sport and uh, on an offensive side. And so um, for me, it's Aaron Judge. You know, you were general manager in a very tough market, and Aaron Judge is plays for the Yankees, very tough market. He is a free agent. Is there a value, Ruben, to a guy who knows how to handle the pressure and the expectations of, of a market like that? Because Aaron Judge clearly does. I mean, the guy hasn't put a foot wrong this year. 
uh, as he's gone after the title. He's he's handled the, the you know the contract. He's handled that well. Um, he's a guy you never he's you don't have to worry about Aaron Judge showing up in the police blotter. He's not going to slug a writer. Is there a value there in a market like New York to having that guy who's just so comfortable being there? Uh, I don't think there's any question about it. Um, the fact that he bet on himself, he stayed healthy, and he's done the, and put together the kind of season he's put together, and the way he's handled himself. I and mean, he's a professional. To me, he's the guy that uh, the organization should pass the baton from Derek Jeter to Aaron Judge. He should be the face of their franchise. There's no question in my mind that they should sign him at whatever cost it is. And uh, and he needs to be their guy. Uh, I know it's a, not an easy decision, but as far as your, the, the New York Yankees are concerned, and, and I felt the same way about the Boston Red Sox with Mookie Betts. I mm. really felt like they, they should have made that move and signed that player. And, and the fact that they didn't, I think, was disastrous in my estimation. Um, uh, anytime you have a player that has not just um, – the ability to handle, especially in the Northeast, uh, to be able to handle that sort of marketplace, uh, to play at that capability, to, to have the – and to be a winner, really. And in Mookie Betts' case, I mean, he won a World Series with that club. Um, I just think it's just imperative that you, that you hold on to those players for a variety of reasons. One, they're the leaders – should be the leaders of your club. Uh, to and if they have that special it factor as far as um, you know how they go about their business, the, their attention to detail, their ability to handle uh, the press uh, in a uh, in a you know in, in, in a quality fashion, all those things are factors, especially with a big market. Do you think Vladdy has had a good year or a great year? I think Vladdy's had a great year. Yeah, I mean I the so. expectation becomes. I really do, and I think. You know, the expectations become so high. When you have a season like he did last year, I mean, I don't think a player is going to necessarily be able to um, duplicate uh, those kind of years year in, year out. But his maturity level, the way he's going about it, I, um, I, you know, I've, I've gotten a chance to, to spend a little time um, watching the, the Blue Jays, especially uh, last uh, prior to, to last year during the uh, – the pandemic phase and, uh, and to watch him mature as a player, as a person, I think it's pretty extraordinary. I think the expectations on the guy should not uh, detract from the fact that this guy's really had a hell of a year. Ruben, really good of you to join us today. Terrific insight. Mm -hmm. Thanks so much as always. Thanks a lot. Absolutely. Enjoyed it. And uh, you guys be well. Good luck. Thank you. Thanks. That is Ruben Amaro. Junior, former Phillies GM, currently MLB network and NBC sports, Philadelphia analyst. And uh, we were talking about this a little bit yesterday, Kevin. As an analyst, he's not afraid to light people up. He is. (laughs) No question. He really isn't. He's, he is. uh, Tell it like it is. Former general manager in a market. Now a TV analyst in a market and willing to be brutally honest, honest, willing to admit the mistakes he's made. Willing to stand up and say, you know what? That was actually a good decision I made. Screw you. It's a good thing. But that, uh, look, that's a tough market. That is an unbelievably tough media market. Crazy. It is to me, you know, New York in terms of numbers and in terms of size is a tough media market. Boston's got all sorts of historical things on it. There is no market in North America where it is 
tougher to scuffle mm-hmm. than Philadelphia because the media in Philadelphia, it's, it's an aggressive media. It's a competitive media market. And, and the fan bases, they have opinions. They have opinions well, about everything. Well, well, and that, that's why I was, I, I was asking him about Aaron Judge because the Yankees thought Right when going back to that <clears throat> that final World Series, pardon me. Going back to the when when they just when the Yankees the, the whole Jeter dynasty and that kind of fell apart, and then going back to when Derek Jeter left, they they've looked for somebody to pass the baton to. Mm-hmm. There was a time where Alfonso Soriano was going to be the next guy. There was a time when Robinson Cano was going to be the next guy. Um, people thought that. Miguel Andujar and Glaber Torres, that that was the kind of the new core four yeah. that was forming. It, now you've got a guy who is going to win a triple crown, is going to be MVP, is going to break an old record, mm-hmm. is going to be the biggest name going forward, I think, in the next couple of years. Well, and he loves the city, and he's happily married, and he goes out, and he doesn't create okay. issues for you. Let me ask you a question. If there's they, a, man, if, Bart, but, but I'm just going to say, there's, there's got to be a real dollar if, value to that if, if they, you're the Yankees. If they lose in the first round, change their mind about if they sign him or not. It shouldn't. It shouldn't. I bet it does. It shouldn't. Why wouldn't they have said already, here's a blank check? Fill in the number you want. That it's the Yankees. I I know, but it's just odd. They haven't. It's odd. My, yeah. I question that. That's odd. If they are holding out, if they're waiting, if they're waiting for a playoff series to decide whether or not they want to commit there and judge, then they then they are. Why else? I mean, they've they done it. I don't know. It, it, maybe it's an ownership thing. They're incredibly. That is incredibly short sighted. And incredibly stupid. Make you think about it, though. 61 home runs. What, do you think he just fell out of bed and just accidentally hit 61 home runs? Yeah, but you got to figure that's the ceiling. It's not going to get any better than that. This is the best year How do you he'll know? ever have. <laughs> no, well, Kevin, I mean, Kevin. Every, everything has went know? exactly, exactly right. How do you know? I, I don't, but you could make an educated guess that there's a good chance. Okay, so what? Chance. can he hit 50 next year? Well, I mean, let's look that up. Well, can he hit 50 home runs next year? Can he hit 45 next year? Probably. I'd say 45. Yeah. So Okay. And if you can hit 45, chances are you can hit 50. Uh, what, what I'm saying is if he doesn't ever hit 63 home runs again, but only hits 58, it's still pretty good. Mm. It's still pretty good. And he likes, he likes being the dude. It's just there's no, it, it doesn't bother him. Mm. Right, we had Eric Kratz on the other day talking about it. He's literally the he is the perfect guy for this time, for this situation. Cool stat. Fifty-four different pitchers this year he's hit a homer off of. I know. That's awesome. All right. And how many of them are right handers? I'd have to look that up. But yeah, I know. That's your point. It's not like he's it's not like he's picking on you know three or four dudes. It's crazy. It is. It's 
maybe we'll have this. You know what? Maybe we'll have this discussion with Susan Waldman or somebody when the Yankees are in town. We'll just mm-hmm. ask the question. Actually, no. This is some homework for next Monday because I'm going to ask the question next Monday on the show. Is this the best season you have seen from a player? It's a great question. That will be that. That's your homework. Don't start texting in now or sending in now or anything like that. But we're going to talk about that on Monday. Is this the best season you have seen, Aaron Judge's season, from a ball player? Now, you got guys here. I mean, I covered Bonds, McGuire, and Sosa. Mm-hmm. That was great, but we all know what that was about. Mm-hmm. I covered a lot of Cal Ripken, you know, the, the consecutive games. But is this the best season we've seen from an individual player? I, it might be. It might be. It might. Homework. And we'll grade you on it. Not you, but we'll grade the listeners on it. Mm. So that's it Monday. That's, there's our topic for Monday. Uh, Mark Topkin covers the Rays for the Tampa Bay Times. I think it's a good thing. It's like I remember the Oakland days when they were winning and they were fighting each other all the time. Billy Martin, they were fighting the manager. They were punching each other out. It was great. So did Randy Arena and Yandy Diaz, did they channel, channel their inner Oakland day in the parking lot the other night when apparently they had a real beatdown? Apparently, oh, they slugged the hell out of I saw somebody saying they slugged the hell out of each other. There was blood in the streets when it was done. Anyhow, Mark Topkin will join us to talk about that bitter fight. Give us a Shane McClanahan update. We'll take your calls as well. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, the fan Sportsnet 360, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts.